The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this bonus episode of the Heat Check, we're getting you ready for draft tonight with even more draft experts. We've got two heavy hitters here combined into one interview. Raphael Barlow from Locked On NBA Big Board, who I subscribe to, who I listen to all year. I'm super excited to have him on. And then we have another big heavy hitter in the athletics NBA draft expert, Sam Viceni. He joined me and my co-host Ryan Horvath on BetMGM tonight, so I wanted to give this information to you as well. Really great insight. It's super hard to find this close to draft time. Super excited about having them on and providing that insight to you. So let's go, Nick. Drop that motherfucking beat. The should be Rihanna. You want to talk some NBA draft? I do. I think you do. With our man, Raphael Barlow. Let's do that right now. Raphael, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you tonight? Doing good, man. It's a busy time of year, but it's a good time. I am so happy and excited to have you on. Thank you for making it work. I know that you're doing a bunch of different things. Uh, I need, first and foremost, to get your perspective on whether there's a real smokescreen going on in Charlotte, because last year, Adrian Wojnarowski put out the day before the draft and the morning of the draft that the the Magic were definitely taking Jabari Smith, that all signs pointed to him. And then an hour before the draft, things changed very quickly, and he had to backpedal. Is there a possibility that's what's happening uh, this year with Charlotte? Yeah, it's always a possibility. And the funny thing about that, I, I spoke to Paolo Bancaro's mom and dad this morning at the official NBA hotel, and then I happened to introduce them to Brandon Miller's agent, and they just kind of had a little joking side conversation about it and how at one point it looked like it was, you know, right now it looked like it's trending towards Brandon Miller, but you just never know until the last minute. And Paolo's dad, I mentioned it was probably like 30 minutes before the draft that they knew Paolo was going number one. So it could be smokescreen, but it could definitely change over the next, I guess, 24 hours or a little less than that. So to you, Rafael, if you were to be a betting man, would you still take Brandon Miller to go too? 
Yeah, I would. I would. I think Charlotte is comfortable with Miller because he's more so of a plug-and-play guy. You can put him next to LaMelo Ball. And while a school, it wouldn't be a perfect fit. Although some people may think that he's the more talented player, but I think Brandon Miller is the easier fit and more versatility, and he's a better shooter, which is one of Scoot's uh, biggest question marks. Yeah, you look at the third overall pick. Any chance anybody other than Scoot then would go third overall, and how do you think a possible fit with him and Dame on the floor would look? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that fit, um, and it could definitely uh, cause a domino effect with Portland. But I do think there is a chance. I wouldn't bet on it, but I think there's a chance that, that um, you know, Portland could really take a long, hard look at Amon Thompson also. So it would be interesting. Just a few months back, we thought Scoot was a lock to go number two, and now there's a chance, slim chance, but there is a chance that he could fall to number four. You know, one of the biggest risers in this draft, Rafael, is Kobe Bufkin. I love him. I love his size. I love his versatility. A bunch of teams have needs that he would fit very easily in. Uh, Where do you see him landing? Like, what would be his floor and what would be his ceiling in terms of, like, positional draft? And what do you think explains his, his rapid rise up the board? Interesting. I had a conversation with his mom earlier today, and we just kind of talked about how he started school early. And so he's really the same age as a lot of the freshmen. He's actually younger than his teammate, Jed Howard. So I think teams are starting to take that into account, is that he is the same age as his peers, his freshman peers, but he has two years of experience. And if he would have came into this season with all the hype that some of the other freshmen had, then he would be right up there in that, that mix to be a lottery lottery pick, which I think he is now, but he just didn't have that same buzz coming into the season. I think his floor might be Atlanta, and I've, I've heard from multiple people that he is the type of guy that Sam Presti loves to have, but the, the big concern there is, like, where is their minutes in OKC? They just have a lot of guards there. Yeah, a quick follow-up, though. Do you think there's a possibility maybe that Washington would take him at eight, or do you think that they're going to go with a playmaking guard uh, like Anthony Black? I think it's a possibility that that they could take him at eight. But right now it seems like Anthony Black is the favorite to go number eight to Washington, but, I mean, Washington could end up making some trades or some moves Mm. also. So you just never know. I mean, I think this is going to be a wild and, and crazy night tomorrow. And it's it's interesting because this was a draft that people thought was really, really strong coming in. But how often do you see a class that is considered really strong and you can say almost all the teams in the top 10 outside of San Antonio are rumored to be looking to possibly move the pick or trade up or trade down? You think Detroit tries to move the fifth overall pick? I feel like they would want to. And uh, also, you know, who do you think the favorite should be to go fifth overall? Because for me, that's when the draft really begins because I wanted it to be Cam Whitmore really bad. I got him plus 400. He was really chalky. Now, doesn't look like that's going to happen. It looks like it's between Thompson and probably uh, Jarris Walker. What do you think happens at five overall, though? You know, I, I don't know if the, the Cam Whitmore stuff is smokescreen. Like, they've talked about some injuries, but he had an injured thumb. Like, I mean, it's not like it's a knee or back. So I have heard some people say that it might be smokescreen there. Um, I would still take him at number five. I mean, I would even take Cam at number four yeah. if Houston brings James Harden along. I, I just don't think Harden and Amon um, Thompson would, would be the best would be the best fit. But no, I think it's I think it's smokescreen. I think he's still in the mix at five. The Jarris Walker talk is interesting because Detroit 
their roster is already unbalanced as is. I mean, of course they can make some moves, but adding another four, five to Detroit's roster <laughs> would be very interesting. Yeah, I was wondering that too. And, and you know, Troy Weaver said in his recent presser that their entire goal is to swing for the fences. If you're swinging for the fences in your Detroit, who do you think has the highest upside at five? Maybe a sore Thompson. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I, I would say Cam Whitmore, but maybe a sore Thompson. They could even swing for the fences with uh, Taylor Hendricks. Mm. I mean, Taylor reminds me of Jabari Smith in a sense, and Jabari was a guy that everybody thought was going to go number one <laughs> 365 days ago. So it's, it's going to be a crazy night, but I, I think that Detroit is probably going to lean with Whitmore. That would be my guess. What do you think's a good fit for a guy like Jordan Hawkins or even a guy like Grady Dick, two of the better shooters in the draft? Where do you see them going? A little bit higher or maybe falling a little bit later in the first round? Oh, I think I think one will go in the lottery, maybe both. I mean, you look at Orlando at 11 and Toronto at 13. Both of those teams really, really need shooting. Like, really need shooting. Orlando was one of the worst teams in the league in, in three-point shooting. And then Toronto has a bunch of wings, but not a lot of wings that can space the floor. So... I would say I think Grady goes to Orlando, and then I would say Jordan Hawkins could go as high as 13 to Toronto. I don't know if he gets past the Lakers at 17. Interesting. I'm curious your perspective. Which player do you think, Rafael, fall outside the lottery, but you think ends up being the best NBA player long-term in that non-lottery slot? Um, You know, it could be... That's a tough question because a guy like Nick Smith could fall outside the lottery. I think there's a small chance Keontae George could fall outside the lottery. But the guy that I'm high on and I think is going to fall in the late first round is Gigi Jackson. Mm. And I think as far as just talent-wise, he's a top-10 talent. But he's just young. He reclassified up, and he started the season off at 17. He's only 18 now. And he's only eligible to be in this draft by 14 days and to put it into perspective if Kobe Bufkin tried to enter the draft last year he wouldn't have even been mentioned just because he he started off you know he was a young freshman wasn't the most productive while Gigi was productive as a freshman averaged 15 points per game and teams are a little worried about his age so imagine well how I see it is imagine if he comes back next year as an 18-year-old sophomore. Mm. And I think he would be the number one pick in the 2024 draft. Wow. So, if I, and he was the number one player in his high school class before he reclassified up. So on one hand, some people feel like trying to get to the NBA earlier was a mistake. It may have cost him a lot of money on the front end, but a team could draft him in the late first round, maybe even mid-first round, develop him for a year, and just – you could end up with one of the, the better players in this class. Oh, that's fascinating. Great answer. Uh, I like you love Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, he's been rumored to go to OKC. You mentioned the big question mark around OKC is just who's getting the minutes. What do you think their draft strategy is going to be? We have about a minute. Yeah, I've heard multiple people say Sam Presti, the general manager, just wants to collect the most talent. And it's kind of concerning for some agents because they're like, you know, is, is there a, a guaranteed roster spot as far – not roster spot, but is it guaranteed minutes behind all the young guys that they already have? But I think Bilal is going to be gone. I, I I would bet that he's gone before the Thunder pick. You think he'll go nine to the Jazz? 
I heard nine, but I heard it could be higher. Wow! Wait, really quickly, yep. about 10, 15 seconds. <laughs> what What do you think the, the fastest Bilal could go? I don't know. I was trying to ask. Seven? But I, I, I just heard a smirk, and they said nine. He might be gone by nine. Wow. <laughs> From multiple people. you got to look so. at that draft position. Yeah, we really do. That's interesting stuff. Rafael Barlow, thanks so much, man. NBA Big Board. Check him out, nbabigboard.com. Thanks so much, man. Enjoy the draft tomorrow night. No problem. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, thanks. Got to subscribe to his t- Substack and his and You're his all in podcast. on Substacks. These, the guys that I have on this draft show, I buy their stuff. I yeah. think that they're really good. I spend my own money on Raphael. I spend my money on The Athletic and Sam Bassini's coming on. Good. I spend the money on Sean Hyken. If you're good enough you and you've got a Substack, Mark Stein, who won't come on the show because he's too bougie now. He's got too much stuff going on. He, I don't think he likes doing hits, but I pay for his stuff. I pay for like eight guys, and we've had some of them on. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, the good news, though, we're going to get a little bit smarter about the NBA draft. We're going to do that right now with Sam Bassini. He writes about basketball. He covers the NBA for the athletic, the NBA draft, as well as being the host of Game Theory. Sam, so much for uh, thanks so much for joining us, man. I know it's a busy week for you. Yeah, how's it going, guys? We're good. Thanks so much for coming on. I've been just hopelessly digging through every iteration of your mock draft because I feel like that's where the insight lies. Uh, I do kind of want to get your thoughts overall on a team that's been very perplexing for me just at the tail end of the lottery, which is Toronto. Like, what direction are they going? I feel like there's been kind of some smoke screens. I don't, I don't think they've been publicizing who they've had work out. Maybe some people think that they offered a promise to Kobe Bufkin. Like, what's the deal there? Yeah, I don't have a great feel for Toronto, to be honest, similarly to you. Uh, Sources around the league don't have a great feel for Toronto right now. I think that they are focusing a lot of their energy in the backcourt, at the very least. That seems to be an overriding sentiment. And I think that if Kobe Bufkin was to get to 13, that makes a lot of sense, right? A guy that is a well-rounded prospect who can defend. He can really finish at the basket. He can shoot. They have a lot of different uh, potential iterations of what their backcourt could look like. So uh, Bufkin does make a lot of sense for them at the very least. But Toronto is one of the tougher teams to figure out right now. I think that because they have so many balls in the air in terms of free agency and because there are so many teams in front of them that could make decisions, it is a little bit difficult to get a feel for them for sure. We saw the market just completely flip right now to go second overall. Uh, Brandon Miller is minus 550. You were getting plus Whoa. 115 when we got off the air Tomorrow. last night. Yeah, yesterday. I mean. uh, third overall pick yeah. now, Scoot Henderson's minus 450. Is that what you have? I know you updated your mock about two hours ago. Is that the way that you see it playing out, the first three picks tomorrow night? Yeah, so, so look, I have Brandon Miller at two. Okay. I think that it's very clear the markets are playing defense right now after what happened last season. 
at number one. You look at like the hold in terms of the difference between what your price is on Brandon Miller versus what your price is on Scoot Henderson. And it just is so abundantly obvious that markets are trying to be a bit reactive to what is happening in terms of the information game when things get reported, because obviously the market flipped last night immediately when Adrian Wojnarowski went on ESPN and said that Brandon Miller is uh, currently in line or on track to be the number two overall pick. Look, uh, all of my information is that Charlotte certainly did not make the pick up until this week. Uh, whether or not they have made that pick is unclear to me in terms of Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. I think Mitch Kupchak literally had a press conference earlier today where he said uh, we hadn't like officially 100% decided and we won't decide until tomorrow. So uh, how much of this is smoke screens? How much of this is real fake? What I do know is that Charlotte undertakes a very deliberate process in terms of all of their draft decisions. Mitch Kupchak is a guy that generally cares a lot about the idea of the in-person workout. And this is also an organization going through an ownership change. And while the Hornets can say till they're blue in the face that this is Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan, like they're the main decision makers here, I do find it hard to believe that like the new ownership that's taking over on July 1st wouldn't have a say here. So I'm just a little bit confused about the overall tenor of the reporting on this, frankly. I find it a bit odd that it's always seemed like a Leonard or a Brandon Miller lean from day one post lottery. It just hasn't been my impression. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, it's it's a 50-50 choice and I don't know the way it'll go down. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend anybody bet on this market right now given how strong the hold is. Yeah, I agree. Another market that I feel like is very interesting and a team that I'm not really sure what they're going to do. Troy Weaver said that they're going to take a big swing. Uh, they don't have a lot of picks. Uh, he doesn't want to bunt. He doesn't want singles. He says he's going for the home run, which means the player with the biggest upside. To me, that feels like a Thompson twin. Uh, to you, what does that mean? To me, it would be Cam Whitmore, but I've gotten mixed stuff on whether or not Cam Whitmore is the guy there. I certainly have a Sar Thompson there right now and uh, I, you know wrote on Monday that I think Asar Thompson is very clearly in the mix at number five at this point. Uh, Cam Whitmore, the you know connections to Troy Weaver, Myriad, he played on Team Mello. Troy Weaver recruited Carmelo Anthony to go to Syracuse back in 2002. And you know he certainly will have as good of intel on Cam Whitmore as anybody. And there's also the Thompson twins and Kevin Ollie was heavily involved in the Detroit coaching search in large part because of a longstanding relationship with Troy Weaver and Kevin Ollie is the head coach uh, or was the head coach certainly at overtime elite. And, you know, you would think that the Intel is going to be strong there both ways. The other name I've gotten there is Jairus Walker, a pretty real amount. I think Detroit has done a better job than anybody in the league at smoke screening though this year. I was having this conversation last night with my editor and he asked me to like rank the teams in terms of like the how impressive they've been in their smoke screening. Uh, I think Detroit is probably number one because I've gotten everything across the board when it comes to them. Yeah, another team famous for smoke screening, deception, keeping you out, freezing you out, but making hell of a draft picks and roster accumulation in general is OKC. Like, what is their strategy? I've heard they might go after a Kobe Bufkin or a Bilal Koulibaly, but then you're talking about, like, how do those minutes get distributed? 
Yeah, the, the funniest thing is that, you know, in that conversation with my editor, my number two pick was Oklahoma City in terms of the smokescreen. So you're 100% right there, Trista. It's funny, typically with Oklahoma City, you actually do have like a feel like we kind of knew last year that it was going to be Chet Holmgren. There were rumors ahead of the draft la or two years ago or three years ago, I guess maybe, that it was going to be Alexei Pokashevsky that they really wanted. They've, you know, let loose promises on campaign and Mitch McGarry before. And this year, I think that they just decided to flood the zone with information coming from every single direction. And I've gotten six different names. I've gotten trade up. I've gotten trade down. I think that Kobe, the names that are most consistent for me are Kobe Bufkin, Derek Lively, and uh, Bilal Koulibaly there. Sam Presti went to France last week to go see Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, Kobe Bufkin uh, just makes a lot of sense for them in terms of a well-rounded player that they tend to value. Also, uh, is younger than guys like Jet Howard and Jarris Walker, despite being a sophomore. And then Lively is the name that doesn't totally fit there because they tend to really like guys that can dribble past shoot at the center position. And Lively is more of just like a defensive savant on that end that doesn't really do that. So... I, you know, I think Koulibaly and Bufkin are probably the two names that I feel best about right now. But uh, again, uh, Oklahoma City has done a great job flooding the zone this year. Sam, where do you think Jaime Jaquez uh, ends up winding up? I'm looking at his draft position right now, 24 and a half, and I've heard some reports that he might go a little bit earlier than many expect. He's going to be in the green room, it looks like. Uh, where do you think he ends up? Do you think he goes before pick 25? Under, 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 under. Jaime Jaquez, I have heard... Anywhere from 18 to 23, maybe he gets to 25. Like, I think pretty good shot he goes under uh, that draft range. I've heard teams like Miami really like him. I think that Golden State really likes him. Uh, and I've heard the Nets also quite like him. And then on top of it, I've heard Portland quite likes him. So you're looking at all of those teams in that range there. Uh, it makes me think that it's more likely than not he will be taken there. I don't know that that's a sure thing necessarily, uh, but I feel pretty good about it. That's one of the better, to be honest, that's one of the better line, like betting lines I've heard for betters uh, in this market this year. What do you think Orlando does? Because it's very clear that they need shooting. I've heard commentary around that they love their backcourt, but everything that I've seen tells me that they can't. Like, obviously, there's going to be guards there like Anthony Black at six. Some reaches maybe for, like, a guy like Grady Dick. Like, if you were to say what they do at six and 11, what do you think is most likely? Yeah, six, I think it'll probably be – I've heard a little bit of Taylor Hendricks. I've heard a little bit of Anthony Black. I've heard a little bit of Cam Whitmore, and I have heard a little bit of uh, – who was the fourth? Uh, I think that might be it, to be honest, uh, right now. But I think that they're looking on the wing and potentially in the backcourt at Anthony Black. I do think they like Anthony Black. Another non-shooter in an organization that pretty desperately needs shooting. I think that they are kind of well-positioned to potentially move up and down the board if they want to, uh, just given the fact that they have 6-11. and 11. Uh, there are teams, I think, like Utah that could very well decide that they want to spike up the board in order to get the player that they want, as opposed to risking that, you know, somebody like an Asar Thompson, Anthony Black doesn't get all the way down to number nine. Uh, that's the biggest thing right now with these markets. I think that with how much movement there is potentially in that six through nine range, five through nine range, including Detroit, it's very difficult to get a read on who's actually going to be making those picks right now, which is why 
I'm a little bit hesitant on anything in that range when it comes to the markets because these teams all have certain liens. And if you change the team who's involved, they might have different liens. And that gets a little bit complicated when trying to bet on these markets. Do you think Derek Lively ends up a top 10 pick or do you think he slides out a little bit? I think his range starts at 10 and I think that's a very real distinct possibility. The problem with that again is that Dallas's pick has been known to be on the market now for quite a while. And I think they're gonna take it down to draft night and decide what the best deal is, or they're gonna take it down to draft night and decide maybe you know if Taylor Hendricks falls, maybe they do love Derek Lively, uh, make a decision at number 10 on what to do I think that, you know, if they do move that pick, the three names that I've heard the most in terms of teams potentially trying to come up and get are Derek Lively, Bilal Koulibaly, and Kobe Bufkin, because other teams believe that those three names are likely to go somewhere 11 to 14. So I think there is a pretty real chance that you know, a team could move up for Lively at 10 or Dallas could take him at 10. But I think his range starts at 10 uh, is where I'm at right now. Interesting. What player do you think will fall out of the lottery or maybe two, three players that you think end up having really promising, you know, impactful NBA careers? Yeah, Hawkes is one. I really like Jaime Hawkes quite a bit. I think that everything that Christian Brown brought to the table this year for Denver, that's exactly who Jaime Hawkes is. He's tough. He's just a grinder. He's going to absolutely be somebody that sticks as a role player for a long, long time. Uh, you know, I think that somebody like Leonard Miller is my upside swing in this class. You know, he's six foot ten, can dribble pass, shoot a little bit, has great touch. Uh, was dominant in the G League at the end of the year, averaged like 20 and 13 and almost three assists over the course of his last 12 or so games. R- really, really impressive player who has not played a ton of high-level basketball competition at this point. So for him to be as effective as he was at that level, I think that uh, it bodes well for him long-term in terms of his development. And uh, I'll give you a third name. I think that somebody... Uh, you know, like a Jordan Hawkins is a real chance just due to the shooting. Uh, He has a chance to go 14 maybe, I think, but his shooting ability is just absolutely insane. His ability to sprint off of screening actions and set his feet, it's just unbelievable. What range or where do you think would be a good fit for uh, Nick Smith Jr.? Because you're talking about a guy that was the number one overall recruit in 2022, (laughs) and now we're talking more about Anthony Black. Where do you think he ends up? What do you think would be a good fit for him? Yeah, what is Nick Smith's over-under right now? 17 and a half. Do you guys have one? 17. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a chance he goes there, but I think there's a much greater chance he goes over that. Yeah. Uh the only two teams I've kind of heard are like maybe 15 and 17 potentially. The rest of the landing spots seem to be after 17 at this point. Uh yeah, in terms of a good fit, it's just going to have to be somebody that's really willing to be patient with him as he continues to grow and mature and uh, develop defensively more than anything. It's going to have to be a coaching staff in an organization that is going to be willing to go through some real growing pains on that end of the court. And he has to improve with the ball in his hand. His hand is a little bit loose right now, and uh, he needs to become a little bit more uh, functional in terms of his strength to be able to deal with bumps and contact on the perimeter to be able to take the most advantage of his uh, scoring ability. Sam, thanks so much, man. Enjoy the draft tomorrow night. Yeah, thanks, guys. Anytime. Thanks for coming on. Sam Vecini.
Does work over at The Athletic. I'm looking at it right now. He's got 180 pages right now for the 2023 NBA Draft Guide, over 130,000 words, and he just updated that two hours ago. I know. I read the whole thing. So here's what happened, why I got all excited. So Jaime Jaquez, his draft position was 24 and a half. To go under was actually plus 110, five and a half hours ago. Uh, Sam, two hours ago, uh, put out that report that it looks like, well, he's going to the green room and that you know people are falling in love with him. Now for him to go under pick 23 and a half, it's minus 350. So that's why I was like, hey, can you do this for me really quick? I didn't get to it in time. I'm not going to do that. That's too big of a risk. How fat? How, what, where was it when we asked? It was. Or before we asked. I, I didn't look again because oh. I thought it was still plus 110. It was plus 10 under 24 and a half. Now it's 23 and a half minus 350 to the under. I mean, shop around for best Sam Pacini is really freaking yeah, good. He's the man. That's all the time that we have for this bonus episode. Many thanks to Raphael Barlow and Sam Vicenni and my BetMGM tonight night co-host Ryan Horvath and producer Scott Lynn. The NBA draft is tonight. So check the feed. There's going to be a bonus episode reaction after the, after the draft and more bonus episodes to go. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends, every single one of them, and follow us on social at this heat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We will see you right after the draft.